Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it became a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Twin Sons Book Club Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Amanda DeFonzo. Hey, everyone. And Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. We began our journey to the rise of Skywalker last month in November with Resistance Reborn and are continuing now in the month of December with Spark of the Resistance by Justina Ireland, and um, this was a great addition, very short book, very short book, but um, a great addition to, um, you know, our, our pre-Rise of Sky- Skywalker content, and I'm very excited to kind of get into this book with you guys. Um, Amanda, we'll start with you, just kind of like an overall uh, feeling on the book, what'd you think? I thought that this was a great follow-up, and it gave us some new planets and some new characters that I really, really love, a new species, the Zixon. Is that how they say it, Jesse? They were saying it the Zixong. Zixon? audiobook, yeah, Zixon. Okay. The Zixon species. Um, I really loved that we got some old empire lore, if you will, um... Like it was a great book, and I love that we got Ray and Poe and Rose, especially um, in this book. Yeah, I I really agree. I thought this was a really fun little side adventure story. Um, love the Zigzong. I think they're adorable. I hope we get to see them again at some point in the universe. Um, I yeah, and just. Pretty much similar to what you said, I thought it was cool that we got the Empire a little bit and it was just kind of like a melding of of the whole timeline and just kind of reminding us about, you know, where everybody is and what's been going on over the years and kind of just getting us ready for Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's very... It's very apparent that uh, Poe is going to have a, a big role to play. He was in Resistance Reborn, and that was uh, he had a big role there. Again, in this book, Spark of the Resistance, he also played a pretty major role. So I, I'm expecting him to have a, a pretty big role in The Rise of Skywalker and uh, potentially on after that. Um, just a brief summary about the book. Um, for those of you who maybe picked this up around Force Friday, that's when this book came out. Um, if you want a little refresher, essentially, um, our Resistance characters, Rose, Ray, Poe, and BB-8 are, uh, on a supply mission. They gather supplies and they get a distress call from somebody on Minfar, which is the planet that this whole book takes place on, and they encounter the First Order on Minfar. They're looking for a weapon, and the Resistance, uh, comes across these Zixon creatures, which, um... You know, obviously play a major role 
and uh, it's there. The resistance has to sort of fend off the first order, help the Zixon, and then uh, go about their way back to the resistance. So that's pretty much what this book was about in a nutshell. Um, we got some brand new characters, and Jesse, we'll start with you, uh, Profes Professor Glenna Kipp. She definitely played an interesting role, and uh, what'd you think of her? I thought she was really, really cool. I wasn't quite sure whose side she was going to be on or if she was kind of going to be like an independent, like out for herself kind of character from the beginning. Um, but I think she's really, really interesting. She's like one of the first, you know, real like spies that we've seen in a long time that's like fully integrated and um infiltrated into the first order so i thought that was really cool um and i thought it was really interesting that she was actually from the empire that was like a really cool pull to kind of show that melding from how the empire kind of has in a way turned into the first order and and where that left a lot of people you know standing like the fact that the first order is just out there looking for all these imperial technologies and she kind of like hooked us into that part of the story so I, I thought she was a really a really fun character to introduce in this book yeah I was originally kind of confused because much like the Empire the First Order doesn't really have aliens or you know other species besides humans yeah in, in their ranks and I was like wait what is she doing like why is she working with the First Order and then they sort of go on to explain it. The First Order kind of like is paying her. You know, she's not part of the First Order. She's just a scientist that they feel like they can utilize her abilities, um, you know, with all these laboratories and the secret weapons and things like that. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, her story arc in some points reminded me a little bit of Galen Erso in that she was orig originally from the Empire and also realized that what was happening was just deeply deeply wrong and decided to do something about it although her story arc has a much happier ending thank goodness yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and I, I just liked how aloof she was within the ranks of the first order um and kind of maintaining that she was an independent consultant in the whole situation. Yeah, and they really... Sorry. I was just going to say, they really, they kind of, like, did stay with their whole shtick of being very, um, like, humanoid centric. I don't know if that's the right word. But they, they treated her really poorly and mm -hmm. underestimated her vastly just based on... The aspect of her being an alien so I feel like the First Order definitely inherited that from the Empire and that's something mm -hmm. that definitely hasn't changed. It has a lot of similarities also to um, Thrawn's storyline um, and how he was in the Empire and just like the, the way that he was so separate from everyone else that he worked with there was a lot of that carried over into the First Order and how they were treating her. Yeah, they have a lot more to prove, whereas all these other mm -hmm. people can just be kind of, like, dim and human and be more accepted. Yep. We got another new character in this book named Branwain Spiffs, the commander of the First Order, uh, the main villain. 
and uh, this dude pretty much sucks pretty bad. He is not very cool at all. Um, he's pretty dumb, um, <laughs> not very smart, Can't. and you know we 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 get a lot of first order officers that we see and first order commanders uh, over the past couple. Um, you know, novels that we've been reading, like Kath from Black Spire, as well as um, Wincher from uh, Resistance Reborn. And it seems like to me that this guy, Spiths, was pretty, like, he was like the worst of them. And I don't, I don't mean that like, oh, he was really terrible. He was like a big villain. Like, he just was not good at his job. His last name sounds like a sneeze. He is a sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, he's just the worst in so many ways. Like, he didn't care about his team. He didn't care if more of his team was dying. He just wanted his own personal gain. And even if it went against his mission, he would just try to find ways to make himself look better and be come out on top no matter what the cost. And it's oh, just... Yeah. He totally yeah, he poo-pooed was, his whole mission just to try and be a hero and withheld information from superiors to try and better his position in the empire. He's like, okay, well, yeah, we want that echo horn, but what if I don't tell him that I know that the Falcon's down there and I go get them because then I'm going to be the big bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or, and oh, maybe I'll just not do any of the things I ever set out to do and I'll just stay here on this planet and just control these little zigzags and just <laughs> be their emperor and that'll be great. Like, why? Like, he just, he just he wanted to idiot. be on top. Yeah. And the yeah. only way he could achieve that was by creating an army of mindless green murder bunny aliens. <laughs> Oh, God, murder bunnies. <laughs> yeah. And, Eric, just um, you mentioning all those other First Order big bads that we've been dealing with in these books, I have a note in here that I was thinking about this, and I feel like in the First Order, there are more, like, just, like, ruthlessly bad people and this might be a controversial statement but then then we're in the empire because in the empire we had a lot of people left over from the republic who just kind of like carried over into the empire and a lot of them were corrupt but you there's just I just feel like all these individual people that we're getting in the first order, and I don't know if it's just because we've been getting to know them better through reading these books, but they just all seem like they're just really power-driven and don't care about anyone, don't care about anything. I feel like there's just, like, more of them. Like, this is just, like, the scum of the empire. Like, all the worst people from the empire left over are mm -hmm. now the first order. I wonder if the conditioning that they do within the First Order that we keep hearing bits and pieces about has something to do with why these people are so ridiculously awful. Like, does the conditioning sure. just, like, loosen their marbles, man? But then we have people like Finn who, you know, broke free of that conditioning hold or whatever it is, however they do it, and he's totally cool, and he's fine, and super compassionate. But then all these Looney Tunes over here... You know, they're just, they're nasty. 
Yeah. I feel like you can't totally let them off on it being just like conditioning and brainwashing. It's like they already were like scummy people. And then on top of that, got all this first order propaganda brainwashed into them. And it just made them even worse than they already were. And it seemed like this Spiff's guy, he had like a chip on his shoulder from the beginning. I mean, he didn't, essentially, he just wanted to win that competition with his rival, you know, Heidrek or whatever her name was. Um, he was basically just like, oh, yeah, well, if I do this, then I'll get my own Star Destroyer and I'll be able to, you know, impress all the high, the high command and, you know, General Hux and all them and... It just, it, I don't know, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way just how he was handling himself and just how he, like, he wasn't even smart. Like, he was dumb. Like, he, he's like, oh, the Resistance must be here because they're, I'm sure they're after the Echo Horn, too, and I gotta get it before they get it because I'm sure they're gonna want to use it against us. It's like the Resistance were there because they're helping out these small aliens that, you know, sent out a distress call. They have no idea that there's a weapon there, like, you idiot. Um... But yeah, he was just kind of a dumb, dumb officer, it seemed like to me. Nothing he said really made any sense. I feel like a lot of the First Order officers are a lot sloppier than the Empire. Am I the only one getting that feeling? No. Maybe maybe it's the brainwashing. Yeah. <laughs> but they all... So they're mean and stupid. Yeah. That's I a think... great combo. But I'm not saying, like, he's a bad character. Like, I don't think no. it was, I right. don't think it was, like, bad writing or anything. I just think each of these characters, like, you know, this guy was just dumb. Path, <laughs> I mean, being huge dude that he was, just punched Vi repeatedly. Like, he was all about physical harm. You know, Wincher obviously had his own things. But, um, you know, I think it's kind of cool to sort of see a little bit of, of variation with the, with the First Order and, and how they operate. But... Um, yeah, he was not very smart. Let's go on and talk about the Zixon. Um, we, you know, obviously talking about some new characters, we get Jem, Arafut, and also Lim. Um, and what'd you guys think of these guys? I love my little green bunny aliens. <laughs> they seem so super awesome, and I love the picture that they painted in the book of the underground world that they'd built for themselves. Like, it sounds stunning. Yeah. it. I thought they were really cool. I loved how um, it kind of showed even more in depth um, how much the First Order just underestimates anyone that's not human, really. Um, they assume that they did not speak any kind of basic or any kind of language. They knew they were sentient, but they just kind of assumed they were like dumb creatures that couldn't communicate and couldn't do anything. Um, and it turns out that they're just like these highly intelligent, you know, creatures, beings that can speak, it seems like multiple languages and have this whole underground tunnel system complete with illusions, which were super cool to hear them describe those illusions. Um, yeah, I thought they were great. And apparently they're really good cooks. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, that was one thing that was really cool. I, obviously, being a huge Ray fan, was super excited when Ray was, like, made a, a you know, not-so-subtle comment about the spiciness of the soup. 
and I love spicy food, so that was super good. <laughs> I was thinking about you when I read that. <laughs> yeah. There was something else I wanted to bring up about them, too. So, what did you guys think about their, like, force sensitivity? Yeah. Because it was basically, like, if you go on to page 117, which is chapter 12, um, they're basically like, Ray couldn't help feeling a connection to the peaceful creature. She supposed it had something to do with the force. Lynn, Lim's strange comment when they met about how the leaves whispered her name picked at Ray, so she made a note to ask Lim about it when they were alone. Um, with all her frustration in the Force, it might be nice to talk to someone else about the connection of the galaxy, someone who maybe didn't know anything about the legends of the Jedi. How did the Zixin feel the Force? So, like, what do you guys think about that? I want to talk a little bit about Ray's name and, and you know, kind of also about that because clearly the name means something um but what do you guys think of the 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 connection to the force with the six on i think that like a lot of the creatures that we encounter like in clone wars or um rebels where we get a little more like sorry where we get a little more of um a snapshot picture of these worlds that that might be more of the case and that a lot of these creatures do have these connections to the force that they, they're not necessarily force sensitive but they are more in tune with how they are part of the living force yeah that makes a lot of sense and also like this might be kind of like a very extremely literal interpretation um but we know they're able to be controlled by this um what was it called the the echo horn. horn, the echo horn, um, which emitted this frequency that only they could hear that created this mind control um, on them. And I, I wonder if I mean <laughs> this sounds really literal and kind of silly, but it's kind of where I'm where I had it in my head while I was reading this is they have they're they're bunnies, right? And they have these really big ears, and maybe there is just something about because they're saying like the trees are whispering your name they're whispering ray like i wonder if there's something about that like something about them being able to have extraordinary hearing or something where they're able to like come in in tune with the force in a specific kind of way where Mm -hmm. they're able to kind of like either maybe they're hearing like snapshots and whispers of like whatever is in the forest they're like kind of like hearing it like that's like their connection like they can hear the will of the force yeah through um through the land that makes me think a little bit of um avatar yeah okay so here's what i want to say about avatar because i also had that and i wrote it down on my notes (laughs) Except the thing that reminded me of Avatar is when I I don't I was looking at something else, so I don't know if this is what you were talking about. If it is, I apologize. But so Ray uses the force to call on Minfar's creatures to assist with the battle. Was that what you were talking about? Or were you talking that about That made me else? think about it too, but when they were when um Lim said we heard you coming, we knew you were coming because we heard it through the leaves and the trees. Hmm. That made me think of when all of, um, oh God, what's their name? An avatar. The Navi? It makes me think of when all of the Navi 
were sitting around the tree that was basically their Ewa. connection. Yes, Awa, their connection to their planet. And that all of their stories were told within that planet. And they knew everything that had happened and was happening through that connection. And that's what it felt like to me. So maybe that's their, their spiel. Yeah. Like, my thing was at the end when Ray sort of, like, used the Force to call on the creatures to assist with the battle against the First mm-hmm. Order. And that reminded me of Avatar because um, Jake, like, you know, essentially sends off, like, a prayer to Awa. And at the end, then uh, <clears throat> Natiri was like, oh, Awa has heard you. And all the creatures come in and take down the, um, you know, the humans and stuff. So I definitely got that Avatar vibe. That part made me think a little bit about Ezra with the Purgle. Yeah. Yeah. With her calling out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about Ray and sort of uh, going off of a little bit of what we were just talking about and, and the, the, the passage that I read. But so we talked about, I'm going to open up my book here, page 77. Um, and... So it's when they first meet Lim, and basically they're like, oh, I'm Poe, I'm whoever. And then um, Lim says, you are Ray, the being said, pointing at Ray. She nodded. How'd you know? The leaves sing your name, the creature said, with an expression that looked almost like a smile. Um, so obviously this Lim character is getting it from the trees, but I think to me, you guys, you know, sort of are taking it more as like the leaves, the trees are literally like whispering things to, um, you know, the Zixon. To me, it's putting more emphasis through the force on Ray's name. And I think that's going to be, you know, we talked a little bit about this in our, um, you know, Rise of Skywalker preview episode, about, you know, Ray being a Skywalker, I don't know, but I think this proves to me that I feel like she's going to have a name that's somehow important. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I, I think definitely it is, like, through the Force, and, you know, these creatures are just kind of interpreting it maybe as the trees, and maybe that's just kind of mm-hmm. what they think of the Force as, being disconnected from the greater part of the galaxy. Um, that's just how they're personally interpreting it. Um but, but yeah, like the fact that her actual name is something that they've heard and that they know already without meeting her mm-hmm. or hearing about her from somewhere else, like that, like she has to have, she's, she can't just be no one, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. she's just, she, I, I do not think she's a Skywalker at all, but I just it just really, I, I totally agree with you. I feel like she's got to be coming from somewhere. They've got to yeah. be, why would her name just be in the force? Just. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think her surname is going to be super important. And I think that they touched again on her just having a first name in later introductions with the Zixon. When they're like, oh, I'm Poe Dameron, I'm Rose Tico, I'm BB-8. And she's like, I'm Ray, just Ray. Oh, yeah. And it's like, there's a reason that they're putting all of this emphasis on her being just Ray. There's, there's almost this singling out of her and the solidarity that she has because she doesn't have that last name. 
there has to be something. They're going to give us something. Ray Smith. Oh, stop no. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the echo horn. So this was an interesting weapon that we first get to see in this book. It's not something we've seen before. Um, obviously, we know that this was a weapon that was used by the Empire when they came to Minfar, and um, they sort of distracted these Zixon with weapons, giving them sort of weapons that they don't even use, um, and then took control of them. Um, you know, and we get the Glenna Kip uh, sort of liberated them and was able to help them out in the past, uh, the friend. And uh, it was kind of cool to, to see that. But what did you guys think of this little weapon? Um, was it, I mean, I know it didn't really work on Poe when he tried to use it on them. So was it specific to the Zixxon? Um, there was one button, but they distinctly mentioned that it's got multiple knobs. So was this something that could have potentially been problematic for the Resistance uh, if it was on a different setting? if the knobs were turned a little bit, or is this something that, uh, you know, was just a lost cause from the from the beginning? I think that it would have needed a greater understanding of what frequencies did what for the person operating it to be successful on anything but what it was already preset to, which was just the Zixxon. So I think that was another one of um, Sneeze's uh, problems. Is that he was? I can't. How do you say his name? It's too hard for me. I can't spit it out. We could just call him Sneeze. Spiffs. Right. Spiffs. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like I can't spit it out. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it could have caused a problem for the resistance. I feel like once you have the technology made, like they've specifically had done the research and tested it on the Zigzong mm-hmm. and but I think now once you've got that figured out with one species it wouldn't be too hard to do a, a little bit more testing especially when you're a organization full of humans to keep going at it until you've got it on the right frequency um, yeah. to affect human ears because I mean everybody every species got has ears and there's got to be a frequency that would affect everyone in some in some way that would be negative, even if it's just like impairing them. Yeah. I wonder if it was set on a really low frequency because the Zixxon have such large ears and right. that it was maybe user error on his part. <laughs> you mean? Well, I thought it was interesting that the weapons development back in the days of the Empire on Minfar was not an approved program. And so most of the Empire had no idea that it was even going on, Um, which makes me think that there's a lot of technology and forbidden weapons and things like that that were still in those laboratories. Um, So maybe we'll get more on that as, you know, we go on or maybe in the Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Palpatine side projects. There you go. Oh, dear. (laughs) <laughs> um, let's talk about Poe. So, again, we get a lot of Poe in this one. Um, and, you know, in our Rise of Skywalker sort of like prediction show, Jesse, we talked about him and, you know, his his growth. And I, I really do feel in my heart that we're going to get uh, a different Poe in Episode 9. Um, and, again, I want to... One more, one more passage I want to bring to everybody's attention... Um, 
in this book is, uh, you know, a potential a potential issue arose where uh, they figured out that they might have to go attack the First Order or whatever, and it says on page 136, before he would have demanded that they find the labs in the dark, repair the Falcon, and take the First Order by surprise. It would be impulsive and risky, but later he'd wonder if it had been a good idea. But after everything that had happened and all the friends he'd lost, including Rose's sister, Poe was more cautious. Victory wasn't worth lives, and with so few allies left, he had to be smarter about taking risks. And I think they, you know, Justina Ireland does a fantastic job, as well as Rebecca Roanhorse in, uh, you know, Resistance Reborn, showing that growth of Poe and showing him, you know, evolving as a character. And, um, you know, I, I really do feel like uh, if you don't read the Journey to the Rise of Skywalker books, you might not fully get the character development that we're getting with Poe. Yeah, I agree. I hope I hope that people accept easily just accept that he's grown and learned um cuz he did have that show of acceptance in um the last Jedi with his conversations with Leia. I feel like hopefully that is enough um for people to realize that he knows that he needed he needed to change. Um and that they just accept that he's, you know, grown a lot since we've seen him in The Last Jedi. Because seeing this growth with Poe ha- has really been huge. So, so yeah, I just I hope people just see him and accept that he's had a lot of time to think and a lot of other missions to, to, to grow into the leader that I know he's going to be in this next movie. Yeah, I'm enjoying that he's growing out of his trigger-happy flyboy phase and (laughs) stepping into leadership shoes. I think that we really need that version of Poe going forward. We need that leader. We need that pillar. Because Rey is going to have to go off and be the hero, and we need him not to. We need someone to be on base holding everything else together, you know? Yeah, we need a, a pass the torch from Leia. Mm-hmm. Last thing I want to talk about is like, where do we go from here, right? This is part of the journey to the rise of Skywalker. And to me, this book almost seemed like a, like part one of a series. Like, I feel like we didn't get a lot of questions answered. And even some of the things that they were referring to, like the whole Ray thing, Ray wanted to ask Lynn, Lim about, you know, what she was talking about when she said that the leaves sang her name we never really got that conversation between Lim and Ray about that at least we didn't get to read about it um and then uh toward the end of the book um we get a lot of information from some of these other characters like Glenna and also Jem and uh you know it basically like nothing came from it so I think it was what was it um Oh, Jem was like, I do believe a few of my warriors would like to accompany you on your adventures. Um, and then they, you know, they never really, like, went with them. Like, the Resistance was just like, okay, cool, we'll be back someday, and, like, just, you know, left. Um, and then Glenna was basically like, um, perhaps the Resistance should consider a recruiting location. I would be happy to help you identify some options. My travels throughout the galaxy have been extensive, and there are many planets like Minfar that the Inner Rim has forgotten. And then they just, like, leave her on Minfar, you know? So I don't know if this is something that we're going to get, like, a sequel to 
or if I'm reading it wrong, I don't know. But I feel like there's a lot of things that just kind of like, okay, what now, you know? I don't know. I feel like we might get some of it in The Rise of Skywalker. I feel like we might end up back on Minfar briefly, if anything, as like one of their little bases. That would be cool. I I was just thinking that I, I wasn't thinking we would really get a sequel or anything, but I was I was kind of trying to think what this was really setting up, and I feel like a lot of it is the growth of Poe we just talked about, and it kind of like the the spark of hope for us seeing how this tiny little rebel cell of resistance that we have left and how they could actually take down the larger first order and and showing us how that's possible in small steps now when we're going to have to make one big step um, in this next episode. But also for Ray specifically, I feel like we saw a lot of her struggle with the force, like mm-hmm. going into you know, not only her wanting to know more and and being inquisitive about the Force with the Zig Song, but we see her be kind of hesitant with the Force. Like, they're at first they started, like, asking her if there's something she could do, and she was like, oh, no, I don't know if I could really use the Force right now. And and she never, like, even in the last book we read, she never pulled out a lightsaber. She doesn't even, we don't even hear her, you know, a mention of the lightsaber hanging from her hip, you know. She's always flying a ship or shooting a blaster. And she really had to dig down deep to kind of, like, call on those creatures to help them. And she had to, like, really work hard to, to make that happen. So I feel like a lot of this was kind of reminding us that even though Ray's, like, a strong fighter she's always just been physically strong and able to like fight back she still struggles with that those aspects of the force and i think she's kind of scared right now that it's not always coming easy to her and i've kind of got the impression throughout this book that she she kind of has like a fear lately when it comes to the force and that she's maybe she's just kind of scared to rely on it because she's not sure that she can actually do it I don't know if you guys got a similar impression or not. Yeah. I feel like she has a very fractured relationship with the Force right now, and that's causing problems with her ability to use it. It, She hasn't cut herself off from it, but I don't think she fully owns her place in using it. I I think that there's a lot of growth for her with her Jedi training that we're going to see. I, I don't I don't know I I don't think that we've had a lot of time with Ray using the Force to you know have her be a hundred percent confident using it mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. she's still a learner she hasn't really got any formal training um, you know the three lessons from Luke that was that wasn't really training <laughs> um, I I feel like Ray is trying to learn all of this on her own I'm not sure you know I don't know exactly what the timeline is I don't know if she's had much time to go through the Jedi text that she took from Octo um, so I really feel like this is probably just uh, a result of of just not spending enough time using it um, I also think that. You know, we've seen in other books, like even in Black Spire, Vi was explaining to someone who Ray was and about how she's like, you know, going to save the galaxy and everything. I think Ray has a lot of pressure on her, and that might also play a role in how confident she feels because, 
if you have a lot of pressure on you and other people are counting on you, I feel like that makes you maybe more cautious, not necessarily more confident in your abilities. Um, and I would say as far as like not taking the lightsaber out, I mean, like I said, I don't know the exact timeline, but uh, the lightsaber at the end of The Last Jedi was in two pieces. So if she hasn't had time to repair it or if she doesn't have the parts, it could just be because the lightsaber is destroyed and she hasn't, you know, it's not been put together again. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Like I had something else to say about that, but I'm having a brain fart. Oh, um, I feel like too that they could just be saving that final growth, that final growth or realization or confidence that she'll eventually gain in the force for episode nine. Yeah. And I feel like we'll see that in, uh, I mean, just off the top of my head from the trailer, see when she's running around um, on that planet with that training droid, like maybe that's going to be like part of a uh, confidence builder where she's like, okay, I'm really going to test myself and see what I can do kind of a moment. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, definitely a great book. I really, I really enjoyed what we got from Ray and Poe, and even Rose in this one. You know, with her little funny quips about, you know, wanting to shoot the cannon more and and things like that <laughs> from uh, the labs. Um, obviously, gotta love BB-8 yeah. with his uh, communicating with Poe. Yeah, I love how favorably Oscar Isaac's like looks have been described in these last couple of books yeah. like his hair. Offer, yeah they've like gone out of their way to be like he's his just so good looking curly yeah. hair yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it um something i also wanted to touch on was a theme in this book that i thought was super important and is going to make a difference going forward um, into episode nine is that at the end of the book they were talking about well maybe we should use this weapon maybe we should have it and Ray was like you know what that's not if we use this what makes us better than them yeah that's not how we win that's not how we fight and I thought that was so, so super important. We're not, the, the resistance does not want to win by mind control or tricks or oppression. And that is everything that the First Order stands for. And I thought that was really important to solidify that sentiment. Yeah, and they're literally in their most desperate hour and people are going to be grasping at straws. So I think it's it's important that Ray like set that line now. And keep keep your morals. Yeah. Very true. Um, this was a young readers book, and we did have a couple illustrations in here, which I thought were pretty cool. We we posted them in our book club uh, uh, Facebook page, and they were illustrated by Phil Noto. And I I love the illustrations just because it kind of gives you an idea of. Um, you know what the species look like and where the what the setting is and you know even the Zixon I'm, as far as I know this is the first time we've ever seen that species and I'm sure other people like me you know if you're if you've read any of the books and you're like well, I don't know what that species is you go on to Google and you try and find what they look like this makes it really easy because you can just flip the next page and bam there you are um, 
so there wasn't a ton of the a ton of these uh, photos, um, but we get to see what uh, Glenna Kip looks like. We get to see what Lim looks like, um, kind of like the uh, you know the the surroundings on Mimfar in the jungle. Um, I thought that was really kind of cool and definitely a, a great addition to the book. Um, so definitely a positive there. Um, before we go, let's talk a little bit about, I think we got one submission for uh, some thoughts on the book from Connie. And she said, let me find it here. Um, I thought it was interesting tidbit that Hux was mentioned to be a child with a complete lack of vision, just blindly following the philosophies of his father. Um, she also said that it seems like they're really grooming Poe to be the new leader of the resistance. And you see him growing in his skills as a leader since the end of episode eight. So I think it's, you know, kind of similar to some of the thoughts that we had um, with Poe and, uh, you know, Poe is sort of being groomed to be the next leader of the resistance, maybe pretty cool. Um, so thank you, Connie, for your submissions. And obviously, you know, if, uh, you want your, your thoughts on the book submitted, uh, or discussed on the podcast, you can submit them to us every month when we record, uh, toward the end of the month. And, uh, if not, then definitely participate with us on our discussion questions in the, Facebook group because um, we have at least minimum three discussion questions every week um, relating to the chapters for that particular week. So um, we'd love to have you guys talk to us uh, on there and discuss uh, discuss some things. Um, Amanda, we are beginning our next book right now. We're doing two books in the month of um, December. And what is our next book? All right, we are going to be reading Force Collector by Emmy Award-winning author Kevin Shinnick. All right, this is the third book, the third and final book for the journey to the rise of Skywalker. And so I, you know, we realize we're not going to be able to get through this entire book before the film, but um, hopefully it'll have some interesting, uh, you know, Easter eggs or some things that'll make a little bit more sense to us after we had seen the film um, about some of the new upcoming things. So definitely join us for that. Um, Jesse, before we go, if people want to join us on social media and, and uh, follow us uh, as we go through the journey to the rise of Skywalker stuff, where can they do that? The best place to interact with us is going to be on Facebook. We have a open public group page called the TSO Book Club, if you're searching for it. Um, and where we post weekly discussions that you guys can get involved in. All right. Perfect. And then um, I did want to mention, too, that um, December will be our last month for the book club for a little bit. We're going to take a hiatus in January. So give everyone a little bit of a break, um, kind of recuperate from the holidays. And if uh, you know, use this time to read your own book or if there's a different series you've wanted to be reading or maybe a different Star Wars book that we haven't discussed yet, uh, maybe get into that and then we will resume with our book club come February. Um, I also want to say too that I've picked up a couple special reading Star Wars prizes at the local bookstore that um, you know we'll be using as prizes as we continue on with the book club and we are going to be having some 
uh, prize giveaways in the month of January and uh, more content on our book club page as well. So just because we're not reading a book doesn't mean that the the um, book club will be dormant. We are going to be consistently having some content on there as well. Um, just would like to take this moment to remind you that we do have a regular podcast, Twin Sons Transmission, that Jesse and I host uh, talking about all the new Star Wars news. And uh, we've got a lot of really great stuff coming up with The Mandalorian as well as The Rise of Skywalker. So um, make sure to follow us on social media pages, which, Jesse, what are our social media pages? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handle at Twin Sons Outpost. All right. And then if you're looking for places to listen to us, you can find us on the Twin Sons website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. You can click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store or on iTunes. And if you like our show, you think we're pretty wizard, you can go ahead and give us a good review on iTunes. All right. Thanks so much for listening to book number two of our journey to the rise of Skywalker titled Spark of the Resistance by Justina Ireland. It's been great having you guys listen to us. We'll see you for our next book, Force Collector, uh, later in the month. Happy holidays. We'll see you next year. May the Force be with you. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Twin Sons Podcast Network. May the Force be with you. It's controlled by the hut. I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Halloween. Don't you imagine me as